Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Wrestling Journalist. My name is Ryan Van Vliet. I am an official certified once-over wrestling journalist, and I'm joined by my main man, Sonic underscore Gino. Gino, you watch a lot of professional wrestling, and this weekend, um, there was like too much wrestling. It was kind of a blessing. It was kind of a curse. Uh, Really, really... uh, a lot of wrestling this weekend, almost an oversaturation. But uh, I guess we'll just start where where I know we want to start. You know, um, what was what was the best event? You, I gotta hear it from you. I know there were like four or five. There was an NXT show. There was Impact, AEW, and of course WWE. What, what was your favorite? I have to say, from top to bottom, the show that I was able to enjoy from beginning to end was the amazing Impact event. Even though, like, they were matches that you easily could like tell, oh, who's going to win, who's going to lose. Sure. But they were just amazingly booked matches that I thought were great to see from beginning to end. Had no flaws to me. Didn't every paper like didn't every event have that though? Did, like, when you go through all the cards that we watched, every event has its kind of gimmies. You know, like nobody really thought Rhea Ripley was losing that bout. Like, there's just, there's obvious matches on all these cards. So the Impact show in particular, even the main event of PCO and Macklin, like, there's no way PCO is leaving with the belt. Macklin's first title defense or second, whatever it is, is like, oh, he's losing the belt to PCO? Like, no. But they put on such a kick-ass match <laughs> that it kind of doesn't even matter um, that we knew who was going to win. We just wanted to enjoy, we just wanted to enjoy the ride there, you know? So, Gosh, that that really stood out to me just as far as this weekend. I wa- So I didn't even finish Night of Champions. I kind of skimmed through it. Um, I think there was just so much wrestling on. It was really hard for me to want to watch Night of Champions because my, my, one of my coworkers points this out to me all the time. The Saudi shows aren't that great. And I, I guess I had this wool over my eyes. I thought Saudi shows were the best. I thought Goldberg Undertaker was good even though it wasn't. Like I thought the Saudi crowd was into it. But he kind of... What are your thoughts? Do you think the Saudi crowd stand out as being bad? They weren't bad, at least this one. Like, I was able to not have any issues with the Saudi crowd. I enjoyed most of the match. Like, the match that I felt like I was able to enjoy from beginning to end because, like, I feel for this guy. And, like, it also just has amazing matches. Gunther versus main event Ali, I thought was an amazing contest. And I was like, this, they could do it. They could change this up and decide, you know, what Ali has that chance. But I knew he wasn't going to. But I was like, it made me bite a couple times. Like, all these might be able to. I think every squash, every good squash match needs to have that moment of like, holy shit, like, is this really about to happen? So, yeah, you're you're right. Like, it, it definitely, there were there are some moments that, even in a match like that, where I know Ali's not winning the Intercontinental title. Like, I, I know that. But, you know, it just, it, it kind of, hey, what if it did happen? Um, and I guess Mustafa Ali, you're a big NXT fan. Mustafa Ali makes a surprise uh, return. Was he ever in NXT? This this article says returned NXT. I don't remember him being one of the big NXT staples. I think he might have been in NXT for like a very short time. We had like 205 Live, the Cruiserweight division. He might have been around that point, but I don't entirely recall. So it might have been like a short stint he had, then they got called up. It looks like he was, uh, he was uh, part of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic in 2016. So maybe he had like one match there or something, but I don't remember him. Because you know, like that two that two hundred five live roster kind of 
was he hate me says you are literally the only person in the universe who believed Ali would win, including Ali himself. No, that fuck. I, I thought, why wouldn't Ali win? It's in Saudi Arabia. He's from Chicago. It just made sense. Gino, is it really your birthday? Someone said that in the chat. This is my birthday today. It was a great birthday Gino! celebration. Seeing Ali and seeing my girl, Bea Priestley, finally coming back. And the big surprise that I sent to you in case you want to see the biggest shock from tonight. Gino's birthday. birthday. We're, we are we are so blessed to have you on your birthday, Gino. I don't I, I, I just assume you had no birthday, that you were just sort of created. It is your birthday. This is fantastic. Um, and Ali should have won. Like I agree with Gino now. Gino's opinions are all going to be correct tonight. We are going to be extra nice to Gino because this was not only not only is it your birthday. Thank you so much for the elixir bomb, six samurai. Not only is it your birthday, Gino, but there was some some big moves happening on NXT. So we just mentioned um, Mustafa Ali uh, making his shocking return to uh impact making a shocking return since 2020 or 2016 like what would be bigger than mustafa ali showing up uh i don't know gino maybe this little guy showing up let me bring it up for everybody before we just spoil it so did you watch this whole event what did you think you're still in nxt mark i think it's one of the worst shows on television but you seem to not be able to put it down because I know that there's a lot of talented guys. That I'm like these. This these are great guys. Like I want to see them succeed. Like I see Carmelo Hayes. I see a person like Tyler Bate, Wesley. Now Ali being on their side. Like I see these great guys and people like Dijak, who I know are amazing athletes. Especially after having probably the best match on NXT's Battleground, being against Ilya Dragunov. Dijak proved like he could still fuck go. And he's one of the best athletes that they need to just push to the moon. You kind of sound like Steven Larson a little bit where you will ridicule WWE or AEW. Like, you will talk so much shit about a certain wrestling company, but you can flip it. Like, NXT might be shitty right now, but you, like, like everything you just said about NXT, I could just say, well, look, I really like Hangman Page. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, I really want to see good things for him. John Moxley, you think of everything he's given us. Like, you, I really want these guys to succeed. So, like, even though I don't like the product that much, I still can you, – you still are rooting for just the individuals. So, let's take a look, Gino. Your favorite, Carmelo Hayes, in my opinion, he is like the PCO of this NXT. And by PCO, I mean Ring of Honor PCO. Like, kind of killed the company and ruined that prestige that that title had. Here's Carmelo Hayes. Like, clearly not – a future WWE superstar. But here he is, dude. NXT champ, what happens? Oh, so I actually kind of like this then. So, like, Mustafa Ali was a free agent technically, wasn't he? Or was he drafted a rock? So he was free agent. So you can have these free agents who aren't really branded. They are brandless. Now they're all deciding to go to NXT. So kind of like what my idea was of, hey, let's only draft NXT superstars. And then you could even send people down. Imagine this. Like imagine like a Baron Corbin, somebody who's not really doing well on the main roster. He goes undrafted. That just means, hey, you have to go to NXT now until you get drafted. And in the chat, TK91, why, why Corbin? No, I think this is good for him. Like, 
we we talk about the the fresh like paint of coat that certain guys need. Him coming out with JBL for a few weeks really hurt him more than anything, right? Because he was already established. I'm talking about Baron Corbin still, everybody. Um, he was already established as somebody that could be a future world heavyweight champion. He had won a Money in the Bank at Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. He had already ended Kurt Angle's career. He has all these accolades, and then by pairing him with JBL, it kind of felt like a giant step in the wrong direction. It felt like here's a new guy that we not we're not sure how successful he's going to be. So let's put him with a mouthpiece like JBL, who we know can at least because I don't think getting heat was Corbin's problem. I think people hate that fucking guy. Um, so I think that that wasn't his issue. So it was just a failed experiment that they thought would, would work. I don't, I don't know. Like, it might make it sense. You know, like Corbin was already on the fringe of being a main eventer, right? He was. And then he had that whole, like, I think it was tweets or some shit about like the Marines or the military, which then be like, nope, you're now immediately getting squashed. Chauncey's going to beat you in like two mm-hmm. seconds. You're going to lose money. The bank briefcase opportunity. Like your every chance you had is gone now because of one little mistake you made. And now we had to punish you for years. And now thankfully he's back to being like a lone man. He's by himself. They realize, you know what? This is the time to push Baron so he can finally be a champion for the first time ever world champion <laughs> in NXT. But you, but even like even the John Cena thing, that was long-haired Baron. Like there was still a whole other career after that. There was still a uh, beating Kurt Angle in his last match. There was a feuding with Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch with Lacey Evans as his partner. There was a bunch more of his career after that. Um, there was him and Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley taking on the Shield. Like there was so many extra extra steps to the Baron Corbin career. And I, I just think they were having trouble finding that niche. They were having trouble finding how do we get him to the main event. And I remember that interview he did. I don't know if that was with Ryan Satin or whatever, where he said, like, my goal is to be WWE champion. I think I can be WWE champion. And I think that kind of gained a lot of sympathy with people. Like, oh, you know, when I saw him live on that Monday Night Raw when he had the post-match main event or the post-show main event, you know, the whole night they're saying, our main event tonight is WWE title, Rollins and, and Baron Corbin, or I think it was Universal title. And – it wasn't on TV. It was just for us. And he really did a great job as the top heel on the show. He, I always bring this up. He acted like, you guys want me to bring the table out? And we're all like, yeah. And he pulls it out. And we're cheering. And then he shoves it back out of the ring. And I was like, this guy is a fucking great heel. Everyone in that crowd hated him that night. And we were excited to watch Seth Rollins beat him. So, it, you know, it makes sense. Like, it, he, he fit that role perfectly. Obviously, he didn't come out on top. But he's just been floundering for, I'd say, a year. When was like? The, let's go back. This is going to be the whole Baron Corbin spotlight. Um, did the Madcap Moss thing end too soon to you? I feel the whole happy Corbin thing went on a little bit too long. Really. I think it should have been shorter. If anything, they really get that moment for Madcap Moss to get an opportunity to be a top star through Baron Corbin. See, I don't think it went on long enough. Like, I think they should have been a tag team like the Dudley Boys. Like, I feel like they should have been together for years and years and years until it was like, okay, now we're going to get, they're both going to get over. Or you even look at a team like Beer Money. You know, it's like two guys that are together long enough for when they do break up, they're instantly main event. Like, them finally fighting each other is a main event match. And look at Madcap or Riddick Moss right now. He's kind of a nobody again. Corbin was a nobody after the split. They had this happy little duo, pun intended, that was feuding with Drew McIntyre that was a top heel on the show. And like the way that that all ended and we thought, okay, we have Mad Cat Moss who's going to be a top babyface and Happy Corbin going to be a top heel. 
We never really got that. They they had the end. It was like JT, JTG and Shad when they broke up. Oh, we're going to have two single stars out of this. Like, no, we got nothing out of that. I think maybe it's like they're always their biggest problem is like what you do when the split up. Because like now when I bring you brought up Happy Corbin and Mac, I've been remembering Miz and Miz now. Like they tried yeah. then like push Miz after the separation and Santa just became, oh, just copying Curtis Axel and then becoming the meg- meta powers together, which <laughs> I thought was weird timing. And so like they don't know what to do with one person. They always want to try to build the other one the best they can. But again, with Baron and Riddick, they want to try to push them both at the same time after the split up, but they can't really do that with the limited time they had being on the same brand and still want to keep the story going, which was well, weird. But isn't that, yeah, isn't that strange? Like, why would you plan a breakup if you don't have a really lengthy plan for it? Like, especially that. You have a top baby face and a top heel. I kind of think that you should have a little bit more of a detailed outline. Like, okay, when they split up, we're going to make some money with this. And that used to, I thought that was always the logic. And when you split up a taxi and there needed to be some sort of closure and there needed to be some sort of next steps. Uh, a- AMW is always, uh, is always a, an example that I look at. When Chris Harris and James Storm split up, they had a really – first of all, they had a really lengthy feud. They fought each other like four or five times before they kind of moved on to separate things. And Chris Harris was trying to do the single star route as a babyface. James Storm adapted his character. He was still like a villainous cowboy, you know, Southerner. And uh, he was hanging out with Jackie Moore, and they were a perfect little pairing. So at least, like, they resolved their issues, and then we had two established singles wrestlers. Corbin and Madcap didn't really get that. They had, what, one match to kind of end everything, and they kind of simmered. They kind of cooled off after that. Like, they it, it, imagine they have a lengthier feud. We established both guys as singles talents, and then we could have something with them after. But the same with JTG and Shad, the same with Rene Dupree and Sylvain Grenier. Like, they just, you break up a team for that one moment, and if you don't treat that moment properly immediately after for the coming months, it doesn't help anybody. If anything, I just realized, oh, yeah, what happened to Riddick Moss? And again, even like when we bring up Miz and Miz out, like their big moment was in a battle royal. They didn't even get a big moment. Sure, they yeah. could have had to be against each other. We didn't have a story with that afterwards. Like that's what upset me with this. Like Davey's done this multiple times. Like was hoping this would be different. And now with us realizing like, Bear Corbin could now be separated, be on its own thing. He me says Riddick has sucked this for title. a year. Emma has sucked since coming back. You're a fucking idiot, fat fuck. Happy birthday, Gina. <laughs> so many emotions all at once. You hate me. Yeah, Riddick has been trashed since the breakup. Maybe there was a moment where I thought, okay, like I, let's see where babyface Riddick goes. But Hat, Mad Cat Moss was such an annoying douchebag that it was at least a character for him to play. Because now it's just former football player. Like we're already back to this was his this was his character when he showed up at FCW. This is his character in NXT. He's still Riddick Moss. Like there's nothing. Look at him. He looks like a star. It's like no, him and Tino Sabatelli should just be a tag team. Like it doesn't make any sense. So Corbin back in NXT. I think this will be good for him. I don't think it's a punishment. Let's see what else he does. Oh, the announcers are laying out. Oh no, it's us. Oh, still a great move. For podcasters, he's holding the belt over the fallen Carmelo Hayes. 
However, doesn't this just feel like the veterans coming back to put over the new champion or to put over the baby face? Like, I, I like Baron Corbin, and I kind of would rather see him be NXT champion, but, dude, you're definitely going to just let Carmelo beat this fucking guy, right? No, we're going to do exactly what we did earlier last year. We had Dolph Ziggler win the belt. He's going to be the veteran that win the belt, and he's going to be world champion in NXT. It's going to be a big moment for him, and he's going to be doing it in Texas, in the Great American Bash, where the real American of Kansas is going to win the title. Maybe you are right. Dude, can you imagine? Like, they did give it to Dolph. It would at least create a spike in interest, right? Like, if Baron Corbin was the fucking champion, uh, yeah, that would be – I mean, there would be a little bit more interest in some, like, someone like me who doesn't want to watch NXT, who has no interest in NXT. You put the belt on a bear kind of, – that's exactly what they did with Dolph, right? Hey, nobody's really, like, interested in Braun Breaker. Maybe if Dolph's wrestling him, we might check it out. So it, it's worth a shot. <laughs> so it's, wor it's worth trying at least. So, Gino, uh, we – so on your birthday, uh, we definitely watched some, some Impact Wrestling this weekend. So – um, Under Siege, in your opinion, and probably my opinion, was the show of the weekend. AEW, I didn't even watch the anarchy in the arena. Uh, maybe we can get to that a little bit after. Um, Under Siege, though, bar by bar, I thought was a fantastic event. Matches that I never, like, I go into these events thinking, like, I don't really care about Trey Miguel. And then he puts on a great match. Like, how about the design six-man tag? Like, like, oh, we kind of, like, that's kind of a silly, meaningless match. It was a great fucking match. Like, there was a lot of great things on the show, including the fucking pre-show. However, Gino, um, how come Courtney Rush and Jessica aren't the tag champs? Why are we doing non-title matches? What is this? I don't know why they didn't earn a title match right away like the Iconics, the Inspiration did. We have Courtney Rush make her debut, the living legend, and they didn't give her the belt right away. It's very sad. They at least won the match against the champions, but that still doesn't give them the opportunity to be champions like Courtney Rush, the living legend, should be with her friend Jessica. And if you're a subscriber to subscribestar.com slash TWFS, yeah, and you're in the Discord while we're watching Double or Nothing, yeah, Tony Khan in the chat. I left during that anarchy. I was already kind of tired. I was in bed. I did yard work all fucking day. And I'm watching this anarchy in the arena bullshit. And Wheeler, you, maybe we'll watch it. Maybe maybe it was good, and I just didn't watch it. But Wheeler Yuta's like standing over, like he beats, he's fighting somebody in the crowd. And he's, like, looking tough in the crowd. And I just was like, this is so stupid. Anarchy in the Arena is dumb. It's a big punch match. Like, no one wants to watch that. Nobody likes backstage segments, like, where everyone's brawling and shit. And here's a match of it. So, and I remember when they were setting the street up, you know, I kept saying, oh, it's probably blood and guts. Blood and guts. Yeah, blood and guts. Blood and guts. And then I forget that they have this stupid Anarchy in the Arena match that they like to do every year. Why would they not do – what's the other one? Stadium Stampede. Like, they have all these silly, like, punch matches that they're in love with. Blood and Guts is at least in the ring. It's a feature that you can put on a poster. Everyone would want to watch that. I thought having Anarchy – and I didn't watch the match, so maybe it was really, really good. But from what I'm hearing, it was absolute shit. It wasn't that good, and I think Blood and Guts, like, it can be 4v4, but I think it's been 5v5 before. So now that we have Takeshita being a part of the BCC, we're waiting very slowly for Kota Bushi to debut in AEW, be part of the Elite, and he's going to have the Golden Elite to beat the fuck out of the BCC. Did, did, uh, did what's-his-name come out? Did the other Japanese guy come out and help Daniel Bryan in this match? Takeshita at the end helps him because Don's getting assaulted, but then Takeshita beats the fuck out of Kenny and gives Yuta the win. Okay, so now we could be building up to Takeshita is hanging out with the BCC now, 
And Don Callis sucks. Why is he whatever? Okay. So Impact Wrestling Gino. Um, I didn't watch this on Friday night. As I said, I was at Mama Tried. For those who listen to hashtags and headlines, I got out, I went out and got shit faced. I got so oddly hung over, Gino. Like it it was really bizarre because I was drinking water. I'm a big fan of spacing where you drink a beer, then drink a water, drink a beer, drink a water. And this bar has a big jug of water. Help yourself. And I was just maybe it was like an excitement drunk. Like I was just out and I don't really go out to like bars like that. But I got really fucking wasted. So, okay. So after the Death Dolls win a non-title match for whatever reason. And you love this Courtney Rush character, right? So this character has existed on the Indies before. Yes, she has existed on the Indies before, just like Rosemary existed in the Indies before. And now we finally get Courtney Rush making her debut in Impact. The living legend herself. Yeah, and, and I thought this was a good match. And I thought, I think their gimmick together as a team is awesome. I really like what's going on with... With Rosemary and then the Courtney Rush gimmick and then Havoc and Jessica. I like it's just fun. Like I hate the undead realm stuff, but now I'm starting to just go, well, yeah, it makes sense. Like now I'm starting to just be you where it's like, well, clearly Father James Mitchell's gonna return and they're gonna become the real death dolls again and they're gonna be evil and he's gonna have control over them and they're gonna lose to the coven. That's obvious. Like I'm I'm with you, Gino. This show's way Sue Young needs to come back. I hate the undead bride. We need her back. Have birth, get that baby out. Get back in the ring. Um, Digital Media Championship, Joe Hendry, Dirty Dango. This was also on the pre-show. I actually watched this match. Um, It was good. It was kind of predictable. And then when it ended with just kind of a basic DQ, we're kind of protecting both guys, I guess. We don't want to have Dirty Dango lose already. We're probably building to something a little bit more. But it does end with uh, just Dango hits a low blow, solidifying he's now a heel. He's a villain. Santino returns to help Joe Hendry not get attacked by Dirty Dango any further. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I guess there was – oh, there's an exclusive interview with Joe Hendry. Did you watch it already? I did not watch the interview with Joe Hendry, but this was – like it was obvious, I guess, Dirty Dango had to lose and Dango had to prove that he's this piece of shit heel that no one should like. So I guess he went with a simple low blow, which a good heel knows when to do it. He knew this perfect time to go for that DQ win. Oh, it's quiet. This isn't on me. I have the volume all the way up. But championship there we go. And I will not let you. I will not let you disparage the effort. The journey that went into this. And for you to end that title match like that is a disgrace to this company, this business, and your digital media champion. <laughs> you know what? I know it's reverse psychology, but Joe Hendry is going to give you all the motivation you want because I'm not finished with you, Dangle. I don't know. I may have won the war <laughs> for keeping the championship, but you won the battle tonight. And you beat Joe Hendry up. Well, congrats. Because the last thing that you want is an even more motivated Joe Hendry. Dangle, I'm still the champion, but this is not over. I don't know. Was that good? That's kind of a mirror promo, right? Like he said that in the mirror, like I'm going to be angry. Like he's trying to be angry, but that, that character, that human being doesn't seem like he would ever be angry, right? And not as this character, though. We know, like, at least people who were watching him in the Indies, you know that he is the prestigious one, and he can be angry, can be after that. But right now, Joe Hendricks is a motivational, positive guy, but eventually he will turn, hopefully not just be his character all the time. But he might be stuck with his character for a bit. I believe in Joe Hendry. So, yeah, Santino's back. He, uh, He made sure. 
that uh, that Dirty Dango didn't do any further damage. Yeah, kind of a shitty promo. Although they're they're setting him up. They're setting up Joe Hendry to be the Bound for Glory challenger. Like the, I see a long term build here that culminates with Macklin Joe Hendry at Bound for Glory. Even our chat is saying TK ninety one is saying Hendry versus Macklin for the world title. Gino, it's coming soon. Get your, get ready for it. It will happen one day, but right now we do have against odds coming up, which we, they did announce a special match. We're going to have the 8-4-1 match yeah. where we're going to have an eight-man tag, four versus four, and the winning team will then be in a fatal four-way match, and the winner of that fatal four-way match will then become the number one contender at Slammiversary. So we do already have against all odds that winner of the six-man match we will discuss later gets to face either Macklin or PCO at against all odds, but now we're all setting up for Slammiversary already immediately during against all odds i love that i i like that because against all odds are giving it the casino theme 841 you know i love the the odds and I, everything sounds great so nick aldis kenny king what sheldon gene gino is this the worst name in professional wrestling and how much trouble was tom having saying it how much trouble was ray wall having to say this name everybody was like kenny king and Sheldon Jean, why don't they just call him Sheldon King? Why don't they just do a gimmick like they're, they're cousins or something? Why does it have to be King and Jean? I think it's just because like you can't say King twice because it's like a, he's like WWE. They're still like WWE mechanics, like not mechanics, like stuff they're used to because they work for WWE. Like it's still stuck in their brain. You can't have the same name. You have to have something somewhat different, but it still can rhyme so people can get used to it. Saying the two together because we're building up this group with Kenny King, which then eventually will lead to a split up, and Impact's gonna know what to do in years from now when we do have King and Gene fighting each other. I think it's opposite. I think Vince will be back there saying. Why are their names similar and not the same? Katie Lee Burchill, Paul Burchill, give them the same name. I think that's more like it because having them come out and try and say their names separately is very confusing because maybe give them a different name like Kenny King and Sheldon Thomas. But the fact that it's King and Gene, everybody wants to say Jing, and that's not his name. It's Gene. So these short, long I sounds are very confusing for your boy and Tom Hannafin, Gino. This was a squash match, but it was still a good squash match. Kenny King is in that position where he's just here to put people over on their way up to the top. Um, and I kind of feel bad for him because he does have some good matches. And I, if he would have stayed the impact path, I wonder if he would be higher up the card. You also wonder if he would have stayed the ring of honor path, if he would have got higher up the card. Like his career is kind of... Made, like he's made bad decision after bad decision even though he's very likable puts on good matches he he's he, i think he has the charisma for it uh he's on bachelor in paradise like he has all these things that he's doing but i think does that how far back did we go D does that initial ring of honor when he kind of screwed ring of honor do you think that soured his entire career that might have sounded like early on in his career, but he would still have these banger matches that you can go back to and watch to this day and be like, you know what? Yes, maybe he's like a piece strip businessman just wanting to do for himself and just focus on what he wants. But he could still be a great businessman and be a good man in the ring to prove like, you know what? He could do whatever he wants because he's one of the best. But it did like stop his momentum from being able to be on the top in the main event like we hoped one yeah. day he would. And I guess for, for, for normies, Gino and I are wrestling journalists. Um, Kenny King was part of a tag team with Rhett Titus. Is that who it was? 
was it Rhett Titus? Yeah, him and Rhett Titus were like tag team champions, and he was having a contract dispute with Ring of Honor, and while he was the champion, he signed a deal with TNA, and he just left. He was like, I'm done. I don't need to do this shit anymore. Ring of Honor sucks. I'm going to go to TNA, hang out with the Beatdown Clan, and at the time, it kind of seemed like a good move. Like, he was in a very popular stable, and he was winning the Impact Champion or the X Division Championship, so it looked like the right decision but once he left Impact that first time and went back to Ring of Honor, it kind of was like, ah, you're not really, we don't really trust you with a top spot in, in Ring of Honor. And even on that final show that we watched where he fought Shane Taylor, it was like, this is a pretty high marquee matchup for Kenny King. But it was never like he was going to be the Ring of Honor champion ever. Um, did he ever win the TV title even? Was he ever a champion there? I don't remember many or any tolerance besides him and Rhett Titus. It was very short reign that that happened, but like I can't remember any other Ring of Honor title reign that Kenny King ever had. So and then Nick, so Nick Aldis obviously wins this match. What did you think of this silly moment where Nick Aldis is like looking into the crowd, like what is happening over there, and like no one can see what's going on. Even the cameraman's like trying to locate, like, oh yeah, there's supposed to be a brawl going on. Like, do you think the referee goes to Nick, like, hey? Remember to point to the audience. There's going to be a fight. And even Nick was kind of just like, I don't even know where they're going to fight. I'm just going to go like this. Like, I'm looking at something. Because the camera had no idea where to go. Maybe you could find it on this. Maybe this Twitter post has it. But it was such a funny moment to me because it sounded good on paper. But in execution, it was just a little bit like, oh, put your foot here. I'll put my foot here. And then you put your foot there. And the, the pre-planning didn't work out, Gina. Let me hit play real quick. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. The security's got to do something about this. No, nah, they're just Kelly fighting Kelly. everywhere. Because it really, like, you saw it live. Didn't it strike as a little awkward? Like, there's supposed to be a fight here. We know there's going to be a fight here. But they weren't even out into the, the crowd yet when Nick was like, what's over there? It was like really badly missed time. Like, again, for me, I was like, okay, so we're waiting for something and we're not seeing it yet because the cameras might not be in the right position. The people weren't ready. Nick was, I didn't understand it at the time, but then it made sense. Like, okay, so I, this is what they were trying to go for. And you know what? Sometimes we mess up. It's live pay-per-view. So it happens. And I was able to forgive. How do you think it, how do you think it, like, in its impact? I always forgive it. It's like, whatever. But that, do you think that, like, he knew that before the match? Like, hey, after your match, look into the crowd. Or do you think it was something they tell him after his match? Like, hey, go to the top of the ramp and then look like you're seeing something in the crowd. Like, how do you, how do you direct that? Like, if you're doing a whole, like, 20 minute match like he did, does he know, like, as soon as I'm done here, I got to look in the crowd? I mean, every referee does have, like, the earpiece of The ref was fed, like, okay, remind him to go up to the top and do this in case he forgets. Then the ref probably told him, hey, go up to the top. So he probably did it a little bit too early, and the cameras weren't in the right position for everything. So he just, like, did it right when they told him, and then we had to wait, and then it finally happened. I was right, Gino. I knew it. I knew who the, the mystery partner was for Sammy Callahan and Rich Swan. I said, what, one of the Chris's? And it was. It was Jake Crist in the best shape of his career. I'd like to throw that out there. I don't know why. He must have been to the performance center, Gino, working out with Triple H and, uh, and Raquel Rodriguez. Um, he looked really good. So for those, let, let's let's do it properly. Sammy Callahan, Rich Swan, and then Jake Crist was revealed to be their partner, taking on Diener, Khan, and Alan Angels. Just goes by Angels now. Um, the crowd was behind Diener, right? Were there a lot of Diener, Diener? Was that real or were they chanting something else? 
and I believe I heard Diener the entire time, and I was like, these guys are behind him because they want this heel to go over because of him killing Eric. And they're like, we want to keep this guy on top and see where the design goes since they have the strength and hundreds of numbers that we don't know of the Yellow Jackets. Well, and this is in uh, Eric Young. Is he from Toronto? So it was kind of a fun, like we're in London, Ontario. He killed Eric Young, but they were chanting his name. And I thought this was a really, really well put together and a fun match. Like, um, this was everything Anarchy in the Arena wanted to be, okay? It was just a really well done with rope breaks where they needed to be, with breaking up pinfalls where it needed to be. Just a really, really fast-paced, fun six-man tag. Um, I hate to just keep sucking Impact's dick, but, like, you know, I bring this up all the time. I do the tests. Like, if somebody's walking by and I'm watching, like, at work, I would watch this match at work. Sometimes when people walk by my desk, I do have Impact on, and I'm more excited to tell them about Impact than when I'm watching Raw. I think that this stands up as something that's a little more interesting to a non-wrestling fan. I really do. Um, and I thought this was a great six-man tag. What did you think? I thought it was a great six-man tag. I was – surprised to be wrong and happy to be wrong finally that we did have jake chris because he was in amazing shape compared to how he looked before yeah. he's finally ready to be back in full time station like he's probably working revolver wrestling i haven't actually watched any of the revolver recent shows so he probably has been working there but like it's great seeing this amazing shape working with sammy and i just part of me still just helps we get full and back we just have ove fully back is he back come here because we got a message Listen here, you dumb sons of bitches. Dina, you want to talk about the design being family? Oh, I call bull crap this right here. This is family. We got Rich Swan. I will say without a shadow of a doubt, the most talented individual walking this planet today. Oh, yeah. Then I got this guy. The fire starter. Jake Chris, he is my best friend and the most underrated. The most underrated. Holy shit, Gino! Do you think I fit in pretty well? Did you see me moving around with the, with these guys? When do you learn? Did Dusty Rhodes teach everybody that during promo class? Like, baby, you got to be moving around, baby. You got the energy, baby. You got to be moving. If you're standing still, the crowd's gonna be standing still, baby. I like how everybody's moving around during this backstage promo. I'm sure, like, Sammy and Rich did learn a lot from Dusty. Like, Dusty probably did, like, give them great information for the short bit of time that Sammy was there. And for a long time, like, Rich was able to, like, listen to Dusty. I think they both, like, learned a lot. They were like, this is what we got to just incorporate. And we've been able to use since the then our early times from NXT to today now in Impact Rest. This planet today, it's time for me to pull up a chair and have myself a nice fine dining course mill what yeah i took a shot of redemption okay i'm gonna pause it great promo i don't need to hear anymore this guy had a nice fine course meal shot of redemption jake christ is back baby really good six-man tag really well done gino i fast forwarded trinity and giselle i knew who was gonna win i watched it start uh i just was like i got it i know trinity's gonna win giselle like was counter steps a little bit it wasn't her best showing from the first five minutes. And then this match was a lot longer than I thought it would be. So they must have had a banger. But I just didn't have time to watch all of it. 
They did give it a good amount of time. I felt like we darked on the Jay Vidal story we were having on there, but I was really hoping this was going to set up for Savannah Evans versus Trinity. I was like, this is what you got to build up. The Cannibal versus Trinity, but no, we had it almost like it could still probably happen like in the next couple weeks of yeah, on yeah. Impact, but it should have been the pay-per-view match. We could like let into something bigger, but it's going to just be done and over with, and then Trinity's going to go on to the knockouts time. Savannah Evans should be higher up on the card, I feel. I feel like they're kind of not using her correctly. Like, we have a big black lady who has, like, this boxer gimmick almost, and she's just kind of the heavy. She was the heavy for Tasha Steele. She's now the heavy for Giselle. We've seen her wrestle. I know she can do it. I don't know why we're not having her wrestle more. And where's Kira Hogan? When's her contract up? Can she come back home, please? We want a lot of people to come back home. Kira Hogan should come back to Impact and not be on Collision, but she's going to be on Collision. Most like this whole roster split, who knows where it's going to go, but a lot of people that we want to see back in Impact are just going to be in Collision. Is she the number one? Because in my head, I'm like, who's the, who are the, who's the number one, maybe top three people that have left Impact that should just go back? Just come home. Why did you even leave? And oddly enough, I feel like most of my choices are females. Ty Valkyrie shouldn't have left. Kara Hogan should not have left. Who 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 else is there that's like, why would you Jake something? Why would you leave? There's lots of there's lots of names, but who are your like main ones that you think of immediately? W. Morrissey, yep. Eric Young, and Jake something. W. Morrissey's the perfect pick. Ethan Page, I would even throw in there. Like, why would you leave? You had such an easy, you had such a cush role. Could you imagine there during this Josh Alexander title reign if Ethan Page was kind of underneath, also like having a heel run to become a main eventer, and then gets to challenge Josh? It would have been awesome. But he wanted to go fucking do the firm with Stokely and pretend he was mad. Uh, so yeah, great call though. W. Morrissey, how do you how do you leave? If you're W. Morrissey and now you're Big Bill. Now, what are your thoughts on that? Like his name is Big Bill. It's kind of an inside joke. Um, I, I see wrestling fans calling that. Why, like that's why his career is over Like because his name is Big Bill. But I, it, doesn't that help? I don't know. What do you think? I think that helps him. W. Morrissey, I think, was a better name that should have really helped him compared to Big Bill, Big Cass, same name, same issues. He's not going to be able to get over with that. If he was calling Cassidy, that's real name. W. Morrissey, real name could probably get you over compared w? to Big Bill, Big Cass. Well, like I think that's why they went with Big Bill. Yeah, Big Cass. Because W. Morrissey was hard to say. Yeah, have fun putting that on a poster. I guess he got to do his thing. Like, yeah, like I'm, you know, I'm Vader or whatever. I'm Big Daddy V. Get to hold up my my hand sign. Um, yeah, I, I really wish that he would have stuck around a little bit more as William Mor as Bill Morrissey, Bill Moore. Um, so I didn't watch the Giselle Shaw match, Gino. And then, oh my gosh, this match only this event only got better. This match. Match of the night, Gino, subculture taking on in the ABC. Now, this when this thing started, I was like, well, Bullet Club's going to win. This is their first match. But then before the match, they teased like uh, subculture was – like first of all, the pay-per-view finally started. Brian Myers showed up. And Brian was like, you know, why do you guys get a title shot? First match here in like seven years. And then the subculture was like, when we win these belts, you guys get the first title shot. And now I'm thinking, What? Is Subculture about to win these belts so the good hands could win them this Thursday on Impact on Axis? And then, no, that's not what happened. Um, this match was so fucking great. This was such a good match. Mark Andrews, uh, Flash Morgan Webster, that spot where he he put his foot on the top, the, the top of the ring post and flipped off. 
Like, again, if I'm watching stuff and strangers are walking by, this is what you show them. This was such a good match. Um, I really, really enjoy it. And then the ending was perfect with just the setup, the one-two punch of the uh, of Chris Bay and then the fold by Ace Austin. Really enjoyed this match. You know, I know I just sucked at stick. Maybe can you be? Can you say bad things about it? What was your least favorite part? I can't say any bad things about this. We did have a perfect tag team contest right here, where we do have Ace Austin, the greatest wrestler of our generation, that will be greater and greater every year. His calves are going to keep growing and become even more huge and be a true star, true main eventer, right up there to the world topic. But right now, we do have ABC, the Ace of Bay Club, being on top, and I'm looking forward to seeing the future. But especially looking forward to seeing the Good Hands versus Subculture in a number one contenders match next week or a week after we set up for the against the odds match that could lead up to a triple threat where the good hands become tag team champ yeah like it's just i i the tag team division is something i always complain about with impact where it's there's not really a bunch of tag teams it's kind of the ace and bay club motor city machine guns whenever they want to be a tag team they're around we no longer have reno scum there were kind of some obvious tag teams that were just there to fill out the division um but if we can have subculture here hanging around for a while i'll take it i'll take most like that was really awesome, and I, and I still miss Jake something in Diener as a tag team. Uh, I'll throw that out there. But really, really great match. If if you're gonna if you did not watch this event, and for some reason you've listened to me and Gino talk about it for an hour now, um, this is the one match you have to watch. Like this one was really, really well done. Uh, as far as characters, you understand who everyone is. You understand subculture. You understand Ace and Bay. Really, really good match. Um, and then moved into another good match, a match I was not excited for at all. I even thought, how are they going to top that? There's no way this dumb X Division title match is going to top that. What a good match. I hate Trey Miguel, but he's starting to win me over, I think. Um, now, actually, bone to pick with this match, you know. Miguel gouges the eyes of Chris Saban in front of the referee to the point where he can't see and damn near gives the referee the cradle shock, right? Why are we not disqualifying people for that? Like, I, like in MMA or in any other sport, if you gouge the eyes like that, the match is over. So if you can just gouge eyes, why is that not the most common move in wrestling? Because impact has completely different rules. It's referee's discretion, as we all know. So the referee is like, okay, this eye gouged that was very blatant. It's perfectly fine. The low blow earlier, that was very plain, but we disqualified low blows. So we now know, at least for some referees, they will not allow low blows, but they will allow eye gouges and impacts. we got to see which referees allow which moves in their discretion. And Saban was even – because it's not like the old thumb to the eye or rake of the eyes where you just kind of move on to your next move. Like It was a full-on fingers and eyes eye gouge that prevented Saban from doing any moves for a few minutes. Like, he picked up the referee blindly for the cradle shock, which is a, a reference to FTR. Can't believe they made fun of him that hard, right, you know? And then he, like, gets drop kicked into the referee. Like, he can't see for the rest of the match. How do you – like, I just thought that was such an easy – let's just disqualify Trey, move on to the next pay-per-view. Just you don't on. want to have two DQs. In one paper, you don't want to have too many DQs. That'd be two. That'd be too many. Already. If you only had one, get rid of that. Then you know more DQs. Where was the other? DQ? The other DQ was on the pre-show. You know, nobody saw that if they paid for it live. Like, like I'm an Impact Ultimate subscriber from on YouTube. So uh, I'm an Ultimate Insider, rather is what I meant to say. I got to listen to the new Taylor Wilde podcast. They notified me there's a new episode up. Um, 
So I, I just and thought- Callahan Uncensored was actually really good. Listen to that today with Gia Miller. Gia is great. Yeah, I like Gia. She's doing a good job as the backstage person, and she's been around l- longer now. You know, it's kind of you, you kind of watch the revolving door of people in WWE and in AEW. Although Lexi Nair's been there for a while, but she's not even the main person. They go to Renee Young more. Um, Moose, Eddie Edwards, Jonathan Gresham, Yuya, Alex Shelley, Frankie Kazarian, you and Kevin were both correct. Alex Shelley, and you know what? When I was watching this. They even did, like, the promo package. They played Alex Shelley's last. And I was like, oh, Alex Shelley's going to win. Because like, <laughs> they played Kazarian's, like, second to last. And I was like, yeah, Kazarian's going to win. He's done everything in his career except win the Impact World title. And then they played Shelley's, and it was the same exact story, but they played it last. So I was oh, no, Alex Shelley's going to win this match. Really good match. It's hard to have really good six man matches if it's not an elimination chamber or six men hell in a cell at armageddon so i thought for what it was it was good impact does this too much though they have these six man matches too much and like it's just kind of an easy way for them to do number one contenders when they could be doing more tournaments they could be doing more elimination stuff like a single fall to a finish on a six man kind of is a letdown but what'd you think of this match I thought this was a really good six-man match. They didn't have that much time to like, really build for this because yeah. they had Rebellion not too long ago. They said, like, okay, we have to quit. We can set for a number of contenders match that makes sense. So having six people in here, next month we have eight people in a match that then goes into four people and then goes into the one winner. So like, they do have like kind of Smashbook to find out, okay, who and how can we put everyone on this card that we feel is the number one contender in that contention and at least make it make sense for why this match is happening. They did the best they could. And Alex Shelley, having now a second world championship opportunity of his entire career, hopefully gets that belt, but he's not going to get that belt. Yeah, there was a few moments. Hannafin on commentary was even saying, like, last time Shelley challenged for the title was during Josh Alexander's title reign, like went through the event. Last time Kazarian challenged was Josh Alexander at the Overdrive event. So you can kind of hear it was like this is the same – We've already been down this road. We got to get the champion some wins. So they're going to beat the Impact Legends who aren't really going to win the title, but they're going to give you a good match. Like, I never thought Chris Sabin or Alex Shelley or Kazarian were going to beat Josh Alexander, but I was excited to watch Josh Alexander beat them. So it's going to be the same. It's the same sauce. It's the same formula. We have four major pay-per-views a year. That's when you can expect the big title changes now going forward. But you still want to watch the matches. I guess I'm a fucking mark. So, great match. Really enjoyed it. It was, you're right, they didn't give it a ton of time as far as building to this kind of a six-man. It felt like two weeks ago they just said six-man match, or maybe even a week. They just threw this together. That is a hydrate. 10, 14 hydrates from Ricardio. That's a, I don't know how we're going to pull this off. We will find this out. We're going to make some way for us to be able to incorporate all these hydrates into this discussion as we talked about such an amazing six-man match, and now we can bleed into the next match from okay, this good. amazing I didn't car. want it to play 14 times. I was, like, I was about to go in and turn it down. Well, just go no interrupters, Gino. I know people subscribe for the interrupters, but no more. Dude, come on, Gino. Can we just go corporate yet? Can we? I don't hear Howard Stern with interrupters. Baba Booey. That's right. He doesn't have interrupters. We just need more sponsors. We do need Manscaped, another sponsorship. So, you know, oh, no yeah. more interrupters. We just should, go more corporate and get sponsorships. I should be emailing them more often. Gino, Deanna Perazzo defeated Jordan Grace. Called it. I knew that Jordan Grace was probably done with the company. 
Um, is it official? I'm seeing reports online that she's done. I'm seeing reports that she's resigned. I'm seeing reports she's just kind of taking time off, but she'll be back. Um, what are your What do you think? What are your thoughts? First of all, this match so good. But what do you, did you enjoy this match? This match was one of their best matches. Like even like I'm right up there with like the Iron Man, Iron Woman matches. Like the number one that I yeah, will always go back one. to. I can even rewatch. Even though yeah, there's no crowd, it still was a perfect match they were able to pull it off and like this is right up there with how great these two can compete still to this day and i believe that it's more like she's taking time away and we're gonna see where she goes if she comes back to impact or she goes somewhere else but i feel she's gonna come back to impact do the whole pay per appearance like she's been doing that's been doing well for her yeah yeah i think that she stayed she belongs in impact she would get lost in the shuffle anywhere else she goes she's a she's a star in impact she goes to aew has a title match and then it's gone forever um, so I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to see her go anywhere else. She would be another example of a tie of career, Kira Hogan, where her departure sounds good, but short term, it'll work out long term. It doesn't long term. She's a star in impact wrestling. And I think they want, I think they would do whatever it takes to keep her there. Um, financially, I think that would be the best place for her to go. And they have a big tour of Australia coming up. Don't you want to be a part of that? But I guess I'm just a fan. Um, I thought this was a really, really good match. I think Jordan should stay with Impact, but I like that Deanna's still the champion. She's the babyface champ right now. Um, this sets her up for her and Trinity are going to work probably face versus face this anniversary. We're going to wait for Mickey to get back to challenge for the belt. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in the future for their knockouts division. Steven Larson agree. Best women's division, TNA. It is the best women's vision. It does suck when they do leave. The people that we think could stay for a long time and we feel like could be mainstays if they, especially those that come back. Like the one thing that now I reminded myself about, like how mistreated she is now, is Mia Yim. I loved Mia Yim in Impact. Like now she's just part of the OC as Meech yeah. and Mia Yim. And I'm like, you were in a world title opportunity and impact had some of the best matches of your career back in impact. Now, no longer Jade, you got to be yourself, be free. And now you're just meeting as like just a fourth of the three man group. Yeah. Their women's division just doesn't hit. I don't know what it is. I don't know why when I'm watching impact, the women's matches are better. I don't know if it's because they get more time. The crowd is naturally more quiet. So it's not awkward when it's a little more quiet. Cause when you're watching raw and there's a women's match and the crowd is sitting there on their hands, when you're watching Dynamite and there's a women's match and the crowd is sitting there on their hands, it does stand out as very awkward. Impact, it doesn't feel awkward when there's a kind of a quieter crowd. So, I and maybe the matches are just better in Impact. Like, I don't know. I like the women's matches. They're given more time. The the creative direction. You always kind of know where they're going next. And Vince Russo had that mentality of everybody has to be doing something. Giselle Shaw's been off TV for like what they say seven weeks or something but we still know what her character is about we still know her her versus trinity she giselle thinks she's the quintessential diva she's everything she touches you know she wins she's 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 meant to be the future of this knockouts division trinity we know her gimmick we know her character she's coming in because she chose to be here she's leaving wwe diana the virtuosa she's just naturally good at this and better than everybody jordan grace the powerhouse had to work hard like everybody has this gimmick savannah evans even like there's everybody has a thing so when you watch WWE, not everybody really has a thing. Like everybody's just kind of like, what's Dana Brooks' thing? You know, she's not doesn't really have one. Um, Macklin PCO, Gino, this was a this was insane. This was bloody. This was nuts. Bully Ray beat up Scott Tamore. 
Uh, what a way to end this show. There was like a lot to talk about after this, right? Flaming tables, Scott Tamora getting beat up again. What is all this setting up, though? Because then you hear there's an 8-4-1 match. If Scott Tamora's out, I guess, uh, what's his name? Santino's back. So you don't really need Scott Tamora anymore. Is, is this just a way to get Tamora off TV again? It is a way to get Demore off TV so we can have an even bigger moment he comes back in to beat up Bully Ray. Maybe he shows up and again so it's a cost Bully Ray the fatal four-way match, but not the eight-man tag match because maybe – because I don't remember who's on whose team because I know Nick Aldis's team has to win because Nick Aldis is probably going to win. Bully for Ray – yeah, it's Bully Ray, Heath. I think Gresham's on that team too and Nick Aldis. I think that's one team. So they're definitely – that's that's the team that's going to win, and they're beating four dudes that are going to – they're beating Moose. I can't remember who else is on that team. Yes, we have the other four number one contenders that are obviously sadly just there to lose to this amazing group where Nick Aldis is going to be the end-up winner. Like He's probably going to end up winning because Scott DeMore comes out to screw Bully Ray. What? Oh! No! Impact is nuts, bro. Dude, Impact is great. No other shows have that. That's right. No other shows also have cinder blocks and fucking using a nail gun and nailing the fucker's mouth open and then have him use pliers to break it open and seeing all the blood. No one has this. No one has motherfuckers bleeding like John Cena did that one pay-per-view just like Macklin did bleeding buckets because the cut was even deeper than he expected. It was an amazing fucking contest with Macklin on top. Macklin needed the big win. It's super bloody. For those who didn't see it, it's a very bloody affair. Uh, almost too bloody, Gino, if you ask your boy. Um, but it's what PCO is kind of known for, right? That's what he does. He's a he's a mediocre in-ring performer, so you might as well lean on the Necro Butcher stuff, right? You lean on the Necro Butcher stuff, and you prove that you're even bigger than Necro Butcher and Sting because you're able and willing to sacrifice your body even harder than anyone else is because you're not human anymore. Yeah, you can't get over any any other way. You might as well like almost kill yourself, right? You can get over as a Frankenstein character that I think everyone could understand this is a monster that people would be a fan of because he's bigger and stronger than this fucking wussy-ass Marine that doesn't want to stay in the Marines anymore. He wants to be forgotten as a Marine, just be a world champion. Gino, it is your birthday. I will agree with you. PCO is better than The Rock. You're correct. So, okay. Uh, Impact Wrestling had an amazing Under Siege event. We are on the road to... Uh, against all odds, like you said, let me look that match up. That's a good point. Like, what is that match? Um, against all odds, 2023. We also had double or nothing this past weekend. I, I now to to be to be candid, you know, I enjoyed the event until the main event. I think I think I really enjoyed the show. My expectations were really low because I just thought, man, the build of this shit has been awful. I don't like Wardlow, but I think Wardlow had a great match. Um, cause even when that match was starting, I was like, Christian and Wardlow were having a pay-per-view match for a title in 2023. Like that's, this is the world that we're in. I feel like Christian's still recovering from his arm injury. I was getting a title match. So I, that stood out to me as odd. Statlander had her big return and title victory, which cool. 
But also, you know, because so my buddy who was watching the event at the theater, he doesn't even know who Chris Statlander is. So you have to be like a diehard to even get that like reference. Like that return isn't a big deal to people because she hasn't been around that much. Um, and they're what like do you th- do you like the way they did that the Statlander thing? I think it's because I enjoyed it because like I remember the story, the buildup where we did have Chris Statlander almost win that title from Jay, and then she did get injured. It stopped the entire hold for her momentum and for that push, and now we immediately go right back into it and have her be champion now. The big moment that I was hoping, hoping it was going to happen eventually, and like I didn't know it was going to happen at this pay per view. We had this great moment for it. I was very excited to see Chris back because I was a big Chris fan when she finally. Ditched that fucking alien gimmick and it just became like just a powerhouse. Yeah. Yeah, the alien gimmick was stupid. But having her return, it's you know, it it fit. It made sense for that event. It made sense for that moment. It was a huge like who's gonna come out? And that's kind of their biggest original, right? That's not doing much. When you look at their roster from 2019 or 2020, having Statlander's big return to win the belt and finally be the person to give Jade her first loss. But it also hurts Jade because she just had a match. She, like she's kind of winded and tired, and then you have like Chris come out for this big baby face pop. I think there was a different way to do this, kind of like House of Black, where they had the the open challenge, and then it was the acclaimed. And no, like we all kind of knew that, but it was still a fun moment. Um, they could have they could have did the same thing with Jade. They just have Jade come out. Hey, open challenge! I'll take on anybody. Statlander shows up, crowd pops, fresh Jade Cargill. They have a real match. Because now it's like Jade immediately can just say, like, well, you beat me after I had a match with, with Taya. I get a rematch, and she should win. You know, I don't know. It's kind of an awkward – like, if sports or if wrestling was real, that this would not play, you know. It wouldn't play, but it's still going to have this big story, which could, you even brought it up. Most likely going to have, like, Mark Stone saying, in her contract, since she lost this match, she gets an immediate rematch this next Wednesday or week after, even on Rampage. She's going to get an immediate rematch, and that's how Jade – wins it back or just loses it again because Chris Statlander just dominates her and embarrasses her even more because Jade has to be humbled a little bit before she goes to the world, the women's championship beats Tony Storm for. Bully Ray, Jonathan Gresham, Heath, and Nick Aldis. That's your team of four. Why is Heath still in these matches? Heath is a fun character. Is it literally oh, yeah. just... Thank you so much, Dark Lord Equitus. I am a journalist. Thank you for those. Um, Is it literally just... Hey, he was in WWE. Like, why is he still being put in these main event things? Because Heath is a really good worker, and he's really good at losing. So we have a guy who knows how to lose and look good doing it and have an amazing contest. And you're like, you know what? This guy could go, and he can lose well. We'll put him in the main event picture, a number of contendership, to just have him lose to just put another guy over even more because he's just that talented that he could just be losing every match, and people will still get behind the redheaded rep. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not – I just want to have somebody in this – there's other guy – like, where's Kenny King? Like, put somebody else in this match that is at least sniffing main event worthy to have Heath in there. He's not sniffing main event. Like, it, it degrades the match a little bit. You got Trey Miguel and Saban having an X Division title match. Maybe Trey Miguel has earned a spot in a match like this. Maybe, uh, who else Who else are we missing? Sammy Callahan, Dean, or these are guys that aren't involved, but Rich Swan's involved. So, maybe, maybe tell that story. Oh, they're on different teams now. They were teammates last month. So... I don't know. I see Heath's name is like, well, someone's getting pinned. Um, so we're going to have – so it's those four teams. So 
uh, Bully Ray, Gresham Heath, and Nick Aldis. They're taking on Bailey, Moose, PCO, and Swan. You and I are kind of already predicting. Like, if it is Bailey, Moose, PCO, and Swan that win, who would go on to Slammiversary? Would you do Moose versus Macklin? Would you do Bailey Macklin? Would you do Swan Macklin? Would you run back PCO and Macklin? Um, who's the same Macklin's even the champion? Alex Shelley. Um, but it's so obviously Aldis, right? You got to go Ray, Gresham, Heath, and Aldis. That would be what you have to do, especially the Slamversary. If it was any other event, you might do Bailey and fucking Macklin, because I think that'd be amazing contest. Sure. But yeah, either way, like in most seconds, he's either going to be Nick Aldis going into Slamversary, getting this number contendership match, even though a part of me would love to see Mike Bailey as champion. They're not ready to do that just yet. They have to have Nick Aldis coming back. He's going to win. Magnus yeah. is back. There's some other guys that we're we're building up. We're 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 getting Gresham into that upper echelon. We're gonna get Bailey up there too. Um, so we don't need to necessarily put them in this spot now. Like even with this last pay per view, Gresham didn't need to win that six man match because it would just be a throwaway match with Macklin. Like he hate me says Vilides. Please pull the curtain. Did Fat Gino really convince you that Brian Myers is good after <laughs> two years of lobbying, or is it a bit? I think I liked Brian Myers before Gino did. I, I really think when I started rewatch, like when I got back into Impact Wrestling. First of all, when he left WWE, this uh, this most recent time that he did, and he went on Chris Van Vliet's podcast and he talked about his just mindset, and I thought it was interesting to hear this perennial jobber in WWE. Talk about working with guys on main event and how excited he was. Um, you know, like Vince McMahon is always watching main event, and Vince would tell him, like, you know, I need somebody to have a good match with such and such. Put him in there with Brian. So Kurt Hawkins had this weird reputation as being a good hand. Like he was put him in the ring with somebody. It's gonna work out. And then you hear Brian getting released this most recent time, and he was kind of relieved. You know, he didn't expect it, but he was just like, Oh, well, I can focus on my wrestling school. He was a little nervous because of, of the pandemic, but it was still he was excited for that next op- that next layer of opportunity. So when he shows up in Impact, and his gimmick is the most professional wrestler, I love that moniker. I think that's hilarious. He had I liked his feud with Eddie Edwards where they made fun of the eye for an eye match. I thought that was a really good feud. He and then when he had his match with Christian for the title, I was kind of rooting for him. Like what? Like I'm always rooting for Brian Myers. He's the ultimate underdog. Um, and, and he hate me. That's what I'd say if I got fired too, I wanted it anyway. And I think there is, cause Gino and I talk about the, that too. Sometimes like when somebody gets fired, Gino gets worried, like, well, they're going to feed their family. And then sometimes guys get fired and he, Gino says, well, they're free now. And Brian strikes me as a guy who's finally fucking free. Brian, Brian Myers got to challenge for the impact world title. He wasn't even sniffing the intercontinental title in WWE. So, I don't know. I, I like Brian, and I think he's had really good matches that nobody has seen. Like, you and I watch Impact. He's had really good matches with guys like Rhino. Um, I remember really enjoying their match together. Um, I, I really enjoyed his Eddie Edwards. I bring that up because they had a couple matches. Uh, the stuff that he's done with, uh, with, with Big Bill, the stuff he did with W. Morrissey was awesome. I don't know. It's not a bit. I, I, what do you say? I think I like Brian Myers more than you. I you might like it more than me, especially guy was really behind him when he was with Sam B, which I thought was a perfect pair. I was like, Sam B is just this dumbass kid who loves it because it's like he's my teacher. I love him. He's number one. And then he had like who was going to be his manager, who's going to be the valet. It ended up being an amazing legend that they got to have an amazing segment with. Where I was like, 
Brian Myers is the most entertaining motherfucker out there. Then we grow the learning tree where we have Danny Lemons and fucking VSK and Zicky Dice. We're like, okay, this is the most entertaining thing we could see out there. Zicky Dice is still going on there now. But like we also have Johnny Swinger too. We have like all this great comedic stuff in Swinger's Palace, Swinger's Dungeon, and now the road to 50. Like Impact knows, like, even though, like, yes, they have like funny bits and funny segments, they'll keep going for like weeks and weeks to months. But you get behind these guys, they're like, these guys are actually entertaining. It's wrestling funny. It's not like just dumb comedy written by like fucking writers. It's actually like wrestler funny. People either like doing inside jokes like Johnny Swinger does with making business references that only the those real smarks know or Brian Myers are just as very funny as, as an indie guy who is the most yeah the yeah the most professional wrestler and oh and his the the, the stupid keyboard match that I always bring up him and Rich Swan had a really fun uh digital or was it dot combat match I really enjoyed that I'm even on his cage match right now like just to kind of go back and go through the archives of the amazing Brian Myers matches uh Black Taru, he got to wrestle with. I remember that. Um, he had some really, he's had some really good matches. Crazy Steve, he had a good match with for the Digital Media Championship. So he's always the one guy on the card that I'm excited to see. I don't care what he's doing. I'm excited to see my Brian Myers. He's my favorite wrestler on this show. And the fact that he isn't the tippy top guy makes it cool for me to like him. I think because that shows that I am such a fan that I just like if I had a, if I was gonna buy a shirt, it's a Brian Myers shirt. He's my favorite wrestler. Uh, and it's not in any sort of, maybe it is a little bit of a tongue in cheek, like gimmick way. Cause yeah. Like who's your favorite? You want a Roman Reigns shirt? Like, no, nah, I'd rather have a Brian Myers shirt. I want to be that hip wrestling fan. Like I've been to VFW wrestling. I, I saw blood hunter almost kill a referee. Like I would, I like that kind of shit. So yeah. I mean, do I like WWE? Absolutely. I love, I, I have a Peacock subscription. I love watching my WWE, but something about this shitty impact wrestling, man, I'm loving me some Brian Myers. We all love Brian Myers, and one of my favorite things about being an ultimate insert, just an insert in general, is we have one of our amazing programs we can watch every week right before Impact is BTI, where we can hear the voice of BTI, Gia Miller, who is probably right now, in all honesty, the best announcer of all time, best commentator. She's honestly better than everyone in AEW, and she's almost right there with Tom Hanford and Matthew Ray, while she's so fucking good. Why, when they brought Renee Young onto the Raw broadcast team, why did they make her be a color commentator? Why not have her be play-by-play? Because I remember there, there's episodes of superstars out there where she's play-by-play commentator. She's got Michael Cole in her ear, and she's doing the Michael Cole thing, dude. Like, I, like that's, that's what I thought she was good at. And then when they brought her on to Raw, they had her being like, you know, what do you think about that, Renee? Oh, well, you know, a side headlock takeover can do damage to the head and the neck. Like, no, why is she doing that role? Her job should be the, you know, hey, Corey, what do you think about that? You know, throw it to the, throw it to the, be the Excalibur. Throw it to the wrestlers. Throw it to the old guy who's been around wrestling for 100 years. And let them give their their take about, you, yeah, when you, when you walk, when you walk the leg like that, I mean, it's going to affect every move. It doesn't affect just your leg moves, your, your power. You're going to have no power. Was that a good Taz impression? 
it was a pretty good task of pressure, but I do feel like what you need for like a commentator, play by play, or anybody who actually is doing broadcasting with wrestling is you need to have someone who actually, whether it be in the business or actually loves this business, like Gia Miller, who has only sadly 10 matches in her career. But after those 10 matches, she was able to be signed to the Impact as like a backstage reporter, like a good interviewer she was able to do. And even like share her being trained by George South, one of the greatest of all time being trained by a true legend and then being able to go right here to impact being lucky to be living in Sammy Callahan's house with Ace Austin and Jessica because of the pandemic, she was in the right place at the right time to be right there with impact. And now she'll be able to prove herself that she's probably the best, not female, just any commentator and interviewer of all time right now. I'm just saying, Gino, that Renee young thing was fucked up. They should have had her be play by play and they, they set her up for failure. She would have done so so great as the play-by-play. So, Gino, I think we did it. We covered from top to bottom under siege. We broke down Baron Corbin's entire career and why it hasn't worked out for the young man. But don't worry. We're just getting warmed up. Same with Brian Myers. Brian is still – there's got to be an Impact World title in that future somewhere, right? Can he turn babyface and get that big push? Like, you know, I, I'm finally taking this seriously. I'm going to be the champion. And I feel right now he might be slowly getting that way with the good hands, but I'm excited to see the future with Brian Myers and the good hands, this new learning tree 2.0, where this can go. A better version, although I like that last version too. Uh, hot, I like that they all had dyed black hair. I thought that was a really funny like t- touch to this new little stable. Brian Myers has dyed black hair, and so do the good hands. So really fun time. Gino, happy birthday. Did you have any other plans other than talking to me about wrestling tonight? I had no other plans besides talking to you about wrestling because I was excited to talk to you about wrestling, but I do want to bring up, since you were talking about church earlier and during talking with Geezy, the one thing that scares me about going to church, at least worries me about like the people who like the pastors and all this, is knowing that there's people like Kenneth Copeland who exist, who make me feel like everyone's just trying to be like Kenneth Copeland, get all the money in the world just so they get out of private jets and all these stuff. Like a part of me wonders if there are any good pastors who do this because of the Lord's work and not just because deep down they want to have these mega churches and make all this money like Kenneth Copeland. I don't even know who that is. I'm going on. I'm going to look him up now. Yeah, Joel Olstein. Yeah, there's always people that have these really big churches, Gino. Like, I agree with you. Like, there is a lot of greed that goes into – and a lot of people do take advantage of I'm raising money for my church – and I'm raising money to spread God's word. And then there's also the other side of like, well, no, I'm doing all this hard work. I deserve a mansion. You know, like I agree with you on that. So that's why like one. Thank you so much, Dark Lord Equitus. Like one thing that I love about my pastor is he's very open about his former drug addiction. And I think Quigley got the gift sub. Welcome to the party, Quigley. Um, and, And I think that. Be him being open to that. I appreciate a pastor who's not coming from a place of. Thank you so much, Dark Lord Equitus. JT is about to be gifted a sub, and you're going to hear me say, Ew, Thank you so much, Dark Lord Equitus. Welcome to the party, JT. But he, he's open about his drug addiction, and it's already coming from a place of um, like humbleness. Like he, Everything that he has was given him by God. There's no way that this drug addict should still be alive today if it wasn't for some sort of divine intervention, but he's here. And when he's pastoring, we're in a small, dumpy building. He's just kind of a normal guy. He wears a nice suit like he were at church. 
Um, but nothing about him screams like, I need more money. Give me more money. Like he's just happy to be alive. And then I do run into people like a Joel, like I don't really know Joel Olstein, but Kenneth Copeland, the wealthiest pastor. Yeah. Like that $7 million tax for your state. Like you don't need that. Fucking, what do you, you need all that for? So I do agree with you, but I think that's also, like I said earlier, thank you so much, big worm. I think that's one man and you could name, there's a top 10 televangelist list here. But like I said, there's more churches than anything else. There's more churches than McDonald's. There's more churches than Wendy's. Like there's so many churches in America. There's there's so many pastors that aren't living this extravagant lifestyle. And that's why part of me does want to go into church. But again, that same part of me also is like skeptical. Like, is this person really doing it out of good, or is there a part of them that has that demon in them that wants greed and wants to be? gluttonous with all this instead of just giving back to the church to the dude people. this guy's house is fucking epic bro <laughs> we gotta start pastoring Gino. um no i agree with you like yeah i think and i also think as as christians or as humans we're all given something that we struggle with and for for a lot of people like there's pornography there's you know gluttony there's things that people have to deal with every homosexuality is also categorized in in the faith as something that you're being given to deal with how you act on it is up to you so like people who say like i'm gay and i can't control it there are gay people that struggle with it every day but they live a life as a christian and they don't indulge in those sexual fantasies masturbation is the hardest fucking thing to give up to you know i'm with you on that one dude like i'm very open about like look pornography is so easy dude it's right there it's so easy to jerk off like why wouldn't why wouldn't you it feels great like you you have to find like it, there's going to be things placed in front of you that you need to overcome. And I think that's that's where you, like even as a Christian, you feel better about yourself because every day you're overcoming some sort of demon that's inside of you. Now I'm looking at this fucking rich plastic fuck that you pointed out that I've never seen before. So I do kind of agree, like as somebody who's not a church goer, if, you, if this was an example of like, here's what a pastor is. It's almost like the cat... Thank you, so Tark Lord Aquinas. Like a lot of people look at the Catholic Church, and it was like my brother. He's still so says anti- even God can't keep me from gay sex. See, that's exactly. See, Ricardo's right. Um, like I like even my brother when he thinks of like Catholicism and the Catholic Church and all the flaws that they've had. It makes it hard to be religious. Like, why would you be? Like after everything that happened with that church, so. Uh, Kenneth Copeland, I've never seen this, Juno. He is the wealthiest U.S. pastor. He lives on $7 million tax-free real estate in Texas. This place is epic, dude. He has a private airport on his 24 acres of land. He is made out of clay, as you can see here. This house is immaculate. This isn't even a house. I mean, this is... What do you even describe this as, Juno? This is where they killed that... This is where that guy wanted to kill his wife in The Shining. He does live in a small country. It's very weird that this man needs all this estate, and especially he lived, he has his own private jet, and he had the sit the sit down interview with another pastor. And he was like, "Hey, why did I need to get a private jet?" He explained like, "Cause he doesn't want to be." I'm paraphrasing. He doesn't want to be in this giant metal tube with full of demons. So he's thinking that the normal <laughs> American people are demons. He doesn't want to be around the demons. The evil energy feels it when he's in the tomb. So he has to have his own. When he had, God made God and told him to buy this jet. 
He went to a Dodger game, you know. He saw demons everywhere, okay? He just, he's trying to avoid the demons at every cost. Considered the wealthiest pastor in America, an alleged estimated net worth of $760 million, televangelist Kenneth Copeland is in hot water after an extensive investigation revealed how he has been living tax-free in a tax-free mega mansion worth $7 million and paid for by Texas taxpayers for years. The 85-year-old pastor's house spans 18,000 square feet. It's made up of six bedrooms and six bathrooms. That's one bathroom per bedroom. Located on an exclusive lake community outside of Fort Worth. He me, That's says Gino live. may be a dumb pop atheist fat heathen, but this televangelism shit is fucked for real. Yeah, look at all this shit. I mean, he's got a primary, like, this is Copeland's primary residence. It's situated on one acre, 24 acres of lakefront tract. It's extraordinary low value, uh, according to, like, what it should be. Um, but you know, I would say this is one man though. That's the thing is like, this is one guy. And I don't think that this one man should sour what religion has done for so many people, especially Christianity, what it's done for so many people. And dark Lord Equitus says, Kenneth Copeland is not indicative of the God or the Bible as a whole. There are bad actors everywhere. Yeah. Like that, 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 that's what I mean. Like there, you can do this with anything. Like, like the people that are supporting a drag people, they're like, what? Just let them do their thing. Okay. They're not hurting anyone. And then there's the stories about some drag queen molested some child like you know like there's always going to be there's always going to be someone to ruin it for everybody but i i don't i have a strong feeling you're not just going to walk in and find a kenneth copeland unless you go to one of these churches with big screen tvs that's why i need to actually go out to a church to find like the pastor that i can feel like this is a real yeah. person of god and it's not doing it for selfish gain Oh my gosh! Look at this. He, he so he claimed this mansion is a clergy residence. The home is qualified for 100% tax breaks. Without the tax breaks, well, thank you, Dark Lord Equitus. I appreciate that. Um, Copeland would otherwise have paid an annual property tax of 150 thousand. Oh, that's no big fucking deal anyway. Thank you so much, UG Listen. Uh, well, Dark Lord Equitus, like yeah, <laughs> like 150 thousand seems like a drop in the bucket to old 760 million dollar guy. I like that they're upset about the tax-free portion of this because um, they need more of our money to fucking give needles to the homeless people. Um, 85 year old. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice looking place. So I agree with you. Like, yeah, this guy's obviously too rich for his britches. And you would assume somebody like a man of God, like it's not like Jesus. Like I said earlier, Jesus didn't have a bunch of nice shit with him. You know, he was living in the woods and he kind of just started his church and got his followers going. And it was never like they lived in like a palatial estate. They never, they never lived anywhere super fancy. So um, I agree. But I also think that's what a lot of people do who are afraid to embrace religion is they always focus on the one. They focus, like here, I got a new story on the side right here. Al Pacino, 82 years old, is expecting a baby with his girlfriend who is 29 years old. Should we not like actors anymore? Because that sounds horrific. 82 years old, he's going to bring a life into this world? How's he going to take care of it? I don't know. It's actually very sad thing about that. He's going to be dead before this kid probably goes through high school and college. So it's very sad that Don Cacino decided to do this at such an old age. Yeah. Like, well, I'm proud of him. <laughs> I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him for still fucking. Like, I think that's kind of fascinating that he's over here 82 years old uh, having sex with young young 29-year-olds. Um, and maybe she wanted a baby. Maybe she's like, dude, like, Al, I want a baby. If I have your baby, I'm set financially for life. Dark Lord 
Equitus. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Dark Word Equitus. Big Worm is being gifted a sub. What? Thank you so much, Dark Lord Equitus. Much appreciated. Everybody in here is going to be subbed. Thank you so much. We appreciate the support. Um, Real Housewives of New Jersey recap. Teresa now believes Melissa put her in jail, not Caroline. What do you think about that, Gino? And I only care about Real Housewives of Atlanta. So any other Real Housewives <laughs> show that sucks about the Real Housewives of Atlanta—that's the real shit. I so I don't know. Like I agree with you. Like there are there are a lot of people to have concerns, and um, when I hear like my you know even my own brother talking hey, about. What? Thank you, Cassidy. When I, when he talks about his issues with Catholicism, it's everybody. Like there's so many different churches out there. You really got you can find the one that works for you, but I would say the ultimate religion, just grab the fucking Bible. You don't need to go to any church, you don't need to pour money in any basket. Just read what's going on in that book, um, and, and you'll find something that relates to you. I really enjoy just going to the New Testament, life hack for people, Bible hack. Um, go to the New Testament. I think everybody gets caught up in the old testament and they're just like, Oh, this oh, he parted the Red Sea. Oh, the Red Sea wouldn't part. Like everybody has like story like what? Everybody gets really annoyed, but if you just go start with Jesus, go to where Jesus comes into this Bible, go to the New Testament, fall into it, and it's it's amazing, dude. And uh, I, I'm a big fan of of re, like Matthew uh, Matthew six thirty four. Gino, tomorrow's got its own problems. Worry about today. Uh, we, that's why the best for for. See, Gino, and even with the, the you rowboat a little bit there, but don't even worry. Get the Bible app. The Uversion Bible app is free on your phone. Everybody should have it by now. Uh, hey, hey, me. He is not homo, Gino. It is his birthday. We are being extra nice to Gino and the T-Mobile today. So, Gino, I think we did it all. We touched every base. We touched every heart. We talked a little bit about wrestling, talked a lot about religion, talked about your birthday Dude, it is fantastic to be with you on your birthday, Gino. Big plans for tomorrow? I think we had Gino for just long enough. I think the Robo Gino has taken over. We no longer have him here. Dude, are you being serious, Dark Lord Equinus? That dude, Charlie. And, and I know I know that that dude, Charlie. Hey, I know he uh, was hoping I would come on and just fucking stand on my soapbox, talk about how the Dallas Stars fucked the whole thing up. They should have won. Uh, they should have won that game. I've never heard an arena get so quiet after the Stars let in that second goal. Like, they lost 6 nothing, but that second goal was the end of the game. When that goal went in, the, the arena just went so dead. And it was like on TV, I even turned it up. I was like, like holy shit. Like I turned it up. I'm like, Ralph, listen to this. No sounds at all. And, you know, when you go down 3-0, you know, it's impressive to win two games, but you can't lose. It's impossible to come back from that. And uh, I go into the Stanley Cup finals, not even really caring who wins now. It's sad. I don't want Vegas to win because they're still like a new – in my head, they're still a new team. They're still the expansion team. But I know that my, my dudes at Jim and them want VGK to get the big win. He hey, me just gifted a sub. Holy shit. With so many gifted subs tonight, Gino. Uh, Gino, hey, Dallas got what? eliminated from the, from the Stanley Cup. I know that Atlanta no longer has a team, so I assume that Dallas was your team. How do we rebuild? What do we do next? 
I think what we have to do, we just need to find the real team. We need to get by. Dallas Stars are not going to be able to get us anywhere. I think we do need to just decide, you know what? The U.S. is not going to get us anywhere. We need to be Maple Leafs fans. You know what? Those Maple Leafs love to let everybody down. I, they got out of the first round of the postseason this year. They made, they got it. They got through round one, but that is it. That's all they, 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 they have a habit and they don't want to break it. So we did it all tomorrow night. Gino and I. Gcon 91 says, happy birthday, Gino. Give yourself the gift of believing God, you heathen or burn in hell. Good point, Gino. Uh, but happy birthday, Gino. Any plans for tomorrow other than watching AEW Dynamite and celebrating on the whole fucking show. Happy birthday, Gino! Thank you for all the gift subs, everybody. I really do appreciate it. I saw He Hate Me, Dark Lord, Equitus, Gino's Vacuum, I think, through a sub in here tonight. So many great things. I really do appreciate all the support. Happy birthday, Gino. I know he's robo-genoing right now, but what an amazing time tonight. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow night with Kevin Scampoli for the whole fucking show. Dark Lord Equitus says, happy B-Day, Gene Bean. Love G you, my guy. Hope you had the best day ever. Amazing. That dude Charlie says happy birthday, Gino. Amazing job tonight, Gino. Happy birthday. Enjoy your time. Have fun watching My Hero Academia Season 6 or wherever you are off to. Robo Gino, the connection just ended right at the end here. But luckily, luckily, we still got to talk about everything we needed to. We talked Under Siege. I like that we talked a lot about Baron Corbin and Mad Cat Moss for some reason. That wasn't on my list at all. But... A great time. So I'll be back tomorrow with Kevin Scampoli for the whole fucking show. Uh, and happy birthday, Gino. Let's ride off into that glorious, glorious sunset. Listen, 07 says, show me them guns, be leaders. Let's go.